So we have the lost sheep and we have the lost coin. So what's the word for today? Lost. Lost, lost. okay. Um, it seems like for a long time, um, it seems like since I was brought up, it's the job of the disciple, it's the job of the church to seek and find the lost, to rescue the perishing. Um, who are the lost? Well, the lost were generally defined as people not like me. Uh, they were people who were sinners, people who were not middle class, people who were not our kind, people who are different from us, um, people who might not be our color. It was them, you know, and there was a division between we and them. Um, they might have been bad, but there was kind of a condescending attitude toward the lost. They just weren't as high as those who were found. William Sloan Coffin told the story of um, a conversation he had with a, a conservative pastor. Both of them were well known at the time. Coffin was very outspoken against the Vietnam War and for civil rights. And they did not see to eye to eye and uh, couldn't convert the other. And at the end of the debate, the uh, conservative pastor looked at Coffin and said, Well, Bill, you'll always be on my prayer list. And Coffin thought, yep, and I'll also always be on your crap list. Um, and Coffin went on to say, usually the lists are the same. I don't know if that's true, but the point was that the, the, the minister saw Coffin as lost in a need of salvation. Yeah. Um, When Jesus told this parable, the belief is, is that he did, not, he, did not begin it, it, he did not begin it by saying um, Jesus was accused of eating with sinners, and it does not end with Jesus saying um, there's more joy in heaven over a sinner who repents than over the 99 that stay in the fold. The belief is, is that those lines are provided by Luke, and they're Luke's interpretation on Jesus' original parable. So the thinking is, we really can't read that into what Jesus was saying. Jesus is not talking about God as the shepherd or God as the woman, because God doesn't lose track. God doesn't uh, not see people. You know, Psalm 139, you know, if I go to the highest heaven, God, you're there. If I go to the, the deepest sea, you're there. God knows where we are. God does not lose us. So in the parable, it's not right to think of, of God as the shepherd or as the woman. The parable um, is really just about sheep and shepherds and a woman and a coin. Have any of you ever lost anything? <laughs> I 
we have this ritual in our family that basically every night Susan will wake me up to tell me it's time to go to bed. <laughs> you know, the video's over, it's time to go to bed, John. And as I'm going up the stairs, Susan will um, say, John, could you call me? Well, she's lost her phone. And I have to call her, and we have to then listen for its ring. How many of you have ever lost your car in a parking garage? Okay, you know. In these cases, did the phone lose itself? Did the car lose itself? No. We lost the phone. We lost the car. And in the parables, it's quite clear that the sheep didn't lose itself and the coin didn't lose itself. I mean, Jesus says, which one of you having a hundred sheep and losing one, it isn't the sheep's fault. It's the shepherd's fault. Which one of you, a woman, having ten coins and losing one, does not go and look for the one? It's not the coin that gets lost. It's the woman who loses it. The sheep and the coin are not sinners. It's the people who lost them. Jesus is talking about things that are separated from the body or separated from the whole, but it's not their fault. And it's not on them. This is a, these are parables about counting. You know, and how important counting is. And are we counting everyone? Who gets counted and who does the counting is very important. When we go on a mission trip, um, usually uh, there are always 12 on the mission trip. That is the most cost-effective number to take. I count all the time on a mission trip. I probably count to 12 every 15 minutes. You know, we'll all be sitting at dinner, and I'm counting to 12. We're in the cars, and I'm counting to 12. We're at worship, and I'm counting to 12. We're in the sermon, and I'm counting to 12. I'm always counting to 12 to make sure that everyone is there. And it's not uncommon that I'll count and get 11. And I'll think, okay, where's Roger? Where's Roger? Where's Ada? Where's Ada? Where's Janet? Where's John? You know, who's not here? And it drives me nuts when I'll get 11 and I think, I don't know which one's missing. Yeah. I think, what if there were 12 on the trip and I only thought there were 11? And so I'd just be counting to 11. Well, somebody would get lost. And who's that on? It's me. 
because I'm not counting to the full number. It's important who counts and who does the counting. So much of, um, I think, our politics and our history is dependent on those two questions. Who counts and who does the counting? I, um, I went to a school that um, was very selective in who got in. It's, um, it's one of the schools that would be in the news lately about you know people not being soccer players but getting in because they were a soccer player. I, I got in because of water polo, but... Um, <laughs> there are 800 of us in the freshman class. 800 young men in the freshman class. Freshman week, they got us all in the room and talked to us about how special we were to be there and how privileged we were to be there. And I looked around the room and I counted. And they told us, they said, now we've got students from every state in the union except Mississippi. We've got students from every continent and all these countries. And I looked at the room and I looked at all the people they were counting. And there were no women there. None. None. It was all male. <laughs> and I thought, why did I come here? <laughs> but I thought, we're saying everybody's here but 50% of the population didn't count. You know, counting and who does the counting is important. In our Constitution, slaves only counted as three-fifths of a person. Just like the women. Were they sinners? Were they bad? No, we just weren't counting them. In the Methodist church, I mean, our debate is how do we count and who counts LGBTQI persons? Are they bad? Are they sinners? Are they inferior? We're just not counting them. Immigration. Yeah. Are they bad? Are they sinners? Are they wrong? Who's doing the counting? We can look around our congregation now. Who's getting counted? I mean, we can talk in terms of groups that are just not being seen and, and therefore not counted. We can think of individuals. Where is so-and-so? Am I counting them? Do I miss them? It's a very important question. Who counts and who does the counting? Are we missing anybody? When I served South Park Church, South Park Church in Dayton is um, it's right on the edge of a, of a poor white Appalachian neighborhood. And the congregation was very different than the neighborhood in which the church was located. 
And we had an outreach program. We started an outreach program to the, to the neighborhood. And these kids flocked to the church. And they, they came for games. They came for play. They came for tutoring. Uh, they came for supper. Um, it, was, it was, judging by numbers, it was a very successful program. And it rubbed people, some people, the wrong way. Not many, but some. And there was one woman that was really outspoken against it. And any opportunity she had, she spoke against this outreach program and against the children and how bad they were. And our outreach director had about enough of it. And she said, I'm going to go talk to her. (laughs) Okay, what are you going to say to her? And she said, I'm going to tell her this parable of the lost sheep. Oh, I get it. You're going to talk to her about how these children are the lost sheep and we need to bring them into the fold. And she said, no. I'm going to talk to her about how she is the lost sheep and how she has strayed from the fold. She's the one that's lost, not the kids. Boy, I'd like to sit in on that conversation. But this notion of who's lost and who's found is really fluid, isn't it? Gwen referred to it in the children's story. I mean, it's, it's, you know, sometimes it's fluid who's on the inside and who's on the outside. Sometimes it's fluid in, in, you know, who thinks they're lost and who thinks they're found. I mean, there are times I'm pretty sure I'm lost. And just if I, you know, there are found who think they're lost and there are lost who think they're found. And there are times when we're grieving and we feel lost. And there are times when we've had a setback and we feel lost. There are times when we are are sick and we, we feel lost. And it's hard to just put labels on people. I, I think when we, we talk in terms of the lost, we do talk about them as people who are unlike us, and it's not helpful. And it's more helpful to say, we're all lost at times, and we're all found at times, and we all have value, and we all count. And it's important that all are seen to be counted. In this parable, you know, there's, there's no celebration until that sheep is found. There's no celebration until that coin is found. And I mean, and that's true in our life. We don't, you know, when we're looking in that parking garage for our car, we're not celebrating while we're looking. We don't celebrate until we find the car. And then we're pretty happy about it. And then we start telling people about it. When Susan is looking for her phone, she's not in a celebrative mood. But when she does find it, she's pretty happy. And so am I, because then we can go to sleep. It's important. It's important to see everybody and to realize that the party doesn't start until everybody is present. And the party starts 
when we're aware that we need to count. And the party starts and the celebration starts when we know we count and we know that we are to be counting. And may King Avenue always be a church where people know that they count and that they are counting others to come to the party so that everybody is present. May it be so. Amen.